Well, we have felt the prayers of, of each of you have been praying for uh, over us. As Stephen said, we do travel the state a lot, doing ministry in a lot of different cities, a lot of different counties uh, for many years now, um, through uh, lots of different avenues. But it is our heart um, to unite the people of God in Kentucky. It's been an assignment from the Lord for many years. Unite the people of God in Kentucky in prayer, in worship, in study of the Word of God, in serving one another. And so it's such an honor um, to be in Shelbyville today, to be at Living Waters. We always, we, Melinda and I kid each other, but coming here always feels like it's the book of Acts. And we're coming to the New Testament church. This is just a New Testament church. It's like Paul, you know, traveling from Ephesus or Philippi or one of the different places where he would write letters to. That's how we feel when we come here. It's a living, breathing, gorgeous, filled with the Spirit community of God here in this city and in this county. You are doing good. You are making an impact. I love how you touch your community. I love how you serve one another. I love how you pour into the next generation. What an inspiration to other people to see that they can be plugged in and a part of a living community of Christ and see that they can make a difference in this hour. So we love doing that. And, and what I meant saying that we appreciated your prayers, some of, some of you know this, that we'd had um, in, in the latter half of 2023, the last several months, We'd gone through some tough times in my family. Uh, we had sent some folks on to be with the Lord. And um, it was a lot. You know, we've been a very blessed family, pretty free of, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, a lot of death or anything touching our family. So that was that was new. And we had to learn how to um, do some fresh things. And we're walking through some of that. Um, we had seven of my family members pass away in just a few months. And so it was a, it was a really uh, tough hit. And we were trying to just deal with all of that and ask the Lord to show us something. And, um, and I really know that the Lord responded. I'm going to say this to encourage you and to touch base with what Pastor Stephen said earlier. As uh, I was just asking the Lord, Lord, we need your comfort. We need your strength. We need your help. Um, it is part of the human process to mourn and to grieve. Last year, God had given me a word in early 2023. He said, this is the year of the spirit. He said, I want you to get more intimately connected and know about the Holy Spirit than ever before. And that's what we pressed into. And boy, did that come in handy to know the Holy Spirit better, to go deeper in his love, to have him closer because he was such a comfort. But another thing was the Lord showed himself strong in this behalf. He said, I am nigh to those who have a broken and a contrite heart. God came close to us and strengthened us and helped us. And, and we knew it was real. But I felt like there was something bigger going on. Have you ever been through something that you just know something bigger is going on? I mean, to a family that had pretty much escaped any very much, you know, anything tragic or anything, to have that many family members, two of those were my sisters, and uh, in just a short period of time. So one night I, I had a dream, 
You guys know me. Uh, that's how the Lord has been speaking to me my whole life. I had a prophetic dream, and in that dream, I saw um, a very large figure, 100 or 200 feet tall. And I was way up high in the air, and I was looking down on the earth. And I saw this figure had something in front of them, but because I was behind them and above, I couldn't see what it was. And, and as I'm watching this in the dream, suddenly I hear a voice say, thrust in the sickle. Thrust in the sickle. And I see this figure dressed in white. I, you know, if I could draw, I could draw it for you, but it was so dynamic. But I see this large, strong arm come up and in its hand is a sickle. It's very sharp. And it thrusts it into the earth. Thrusts it into the earth. Uh, and in that moment, I wake up from the dream. I'm, I'm just like shaken by it. It was so impacting. And immediately when I came out of the dream, Holy Spirit was waiting, you know, two inches from my face. And he said, you need a deeper understanding of the harvest. You need a deeper understanding of the harvest. And so I knew immediately one of the things he was saying, and I had never thought of this, believe it or not, and I've served the Lord, you know, a long time, many, many years I never, whenever I heard someone talk about the harvest at the end of the age, I always thought about souls coming into the kingdom, people getting saved. Anybody like me in that? You know, it's say there's going to be a great harvest. That was to me, a lot of people getting saved and coming into, into the kingdom of God. And it is, that's part of it. But what I'd never seen before was that part of what the Lord was saying the harvest was, was that saints of God at the end of the age, as he was harvesting the earth, they were going to come up into his presence. And that that's part of the great harvest is not just lost being saved. It's saints of God coming up, being harvested by God into his presence. I knew that in that moment. Now you might say, well, Phil, I'm going to have to have some Bible for that. Thank you for asking. Turn to Revelation chapter 14. It was only after, and I know I've read Revelation a million times, that's hyperbole, but I don't know why I'd never seen this verse. Revelation 14. And you've got to start at verse number 12 to get the full impact of what I just said. This is what it says. It says, verse 12 of Revelation 14. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their work follow them. And I looked and behold, there was a white cloud and on the cloud sat like one unto the son of man, having his head a golden crown and his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in the sickle and reap for the time is come for thee to reap 
The harvest of the earth is ripe. Can I hear an amen? All of us in here have lost some folks that were dear to us, important to us in the last little bit. And you may have um, wondered, Lord, I don't understand why that we need them here on earth. And I want the Lord to encourage you and help you from now until Jesus comes. He is harvesting. He's thrust in the sickle. He is bringing believers that blessed are those that die in the Lord and they can rest from their labors. And then some of us still here doing the work of the kingdom in the earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so that was so important that I, I felt like it was so important to me, but so important, I think, to the kingdom of God. That we had that understanding. I want to quickly jump right into the word. If you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 60 with me. Isaiah 60. And uh, I'm going to be commenting on verses 1 and 2. You guys know these passages well. They're, they're very dear to us. I've even commented them in this house before. Because here you guys right are on Route 60, and, I, and the Lord told me this is called the Glory 60, and, and I had an encounter with him about that. And, and uh, he says something. He gives us a direct um, thing to do at the end of the age, and that is to arise and shine. Amen? To arise and shine. And I love that even though this passage has spoke to me in so many different ways, it's speaking to me afresh in this hour. And, and I'm getting fresh revelation. But he says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Can I get an amen? For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Hallelujah. We are in days of darkness. Can I get an amen? And this darkness is pervasive. The darkness is in the culture. The darkness is in the media. The darkness is in the government. The darkness is in the warfare. The darkness is in the health uh, traumas that are happening across the earth. The darkness is in... The perversion, the darkness is in even believers or children of believers that are turning their hearts away from God. For the Lord promised that in the last days, the love of many would grow cold. Am I speaking the truth? And that people would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. We cannot bury our head in the sand and say, There's no darkness. In fact, that is one of the most dangerous things that we could do. And we live in an hour when there is even a movement within the body of Christ. And I say that with quotes around it. But within the church at a larger place, a a new progressive theology that says, oh, there's no darkness. There's no negativity. There's nothing to worry about. 
you know, the Lord just forgives everything and everybody's good and everyone's getting in and it's all health, wealth and romance and don't worry about a thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Excuse me. My lips are parched. But we are, according to the word of God, in darkness. Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. He says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of what? Darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Vernon, we are in a spiritual battle. We are up against principalities and powers. These are real fallen angels and demonic presence that try to work throughout our culture and throughout the nations. Can I get an amen? So we must understand that God sees the darkness and has already said that he would help us hear these words overcome the darkness. Amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. You know, uh, John chapter one, verse five, John chapter one, verse five says, and the light shines in where the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. We cannot be like the world system. We must be children of light. Amen. The word of God says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Hallelujah. And that as people of light, children of light, translated out of the darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. We must overcome the darkness. I know whoever got here first this morning and flips, flipped on the lights in this sanctuary, they didn't have to see a battle take place to see who was going to win. It wasn't like for a moment the light says, I'm trying, and the dark says, no, you're not. And then the light says, yes, I am. It wasn't that kind of a struggle. Hallelujah. When light comes, darkness goes. When light comes, darkness must flee. Hallelujah. When Christ came and lived and died, he overcame the darkness with the light. Hallelujah. So we must walk in the light, the light of God's word. It's, it's, a, it's a light unto, to my feet, a lamp to my path. Hallelujah. And so the Lord began to show me some things. And I promise that I really had a different message to bring today. I was going to talk about 2024 and what God was saying about 2024 prophetically and, and kind of release some things that we've been hearing through fasting and prayer. But the Lord said, no, no, that's not what I want you to release. He said, and, and what I want you to release is for this house, because this house needs to hear what you're going to share. He said, they have stewarded, they have stewarded with their life, with their prayers, with their inheritance, with their children, what you're going to be speaking about. And one night, I had a prophetic dream. And I saw the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was superimposed over a, a map of the entire earth. But it stood out in a three-dimensional way over the map of the earth. And I saw on this map of Israel, I saw 
two trees, two very large trees, like oak trees. And they were growing side by side and they overlapped one another. And one of the trees had written on it the name Saul, S-A-U-L. And the other tree had written on it the word David. And it was like I was seeing that these trees that had grown up over the nation of Israel were through two distinct lines or lineage or or thought systems, or theologies, or community, whatever you want to call it, but it was like these roots of these trees, I could see they went and they spread throughout the whole nation of Israel. And then I saw that those two trees on the map of Israel overshadowed the entire planet, the entire earth. So when I came out of the dream, I began to study and ask the Lord, Father, what are you saying? And I want to tell you something, Melinda and I, you know, we've been, you guys know this, we spent our whole life in the house of prayer, raising up night and day prayer. The mandate on our life is to restore the tabernacle of David, to restore night and day prayer in the earth. We've been doing that for many, many years. And so many of our prayer sets, and Candy's been there with us for many, many years. So many of our prayer sets were over the nation of Israel, praying for Israel, praying for the people of Israel, praying for the leaders of Israel, praying for everything that touched Israel. Amen. It's been our heart. In fact, last last year, last May, we participated with five million other people in 21 days of prayer and fasting over Israel. Five million people across the earth. Can you believe that? Five million people fasting and praying over the nation of Israel. Only God knew what was coming up in October. Amen. But yet he was preparing the intercessors and the, and the prayer people so that we would be praying over Israel and for them. And so we are so committed to that. But I want to tell you something. I'm not so naive. Lean in as I say this. I am not so naive as to think that the nation of Israel is a perfect nation. Or that they are only good people that live there. Or that everyone there is following God. Can you hear what I'm saying? Anymore, though, I love America and pray for America. Do I think everyone in America is right? No, I do not. Amen. But what I want to say is. Uh, I was asking the Lord about this dream and about the two trees. And a little while after that, I had another very strong prophetic dream. They go together. That's why I'm telling them both. This one was even more intense. And and I won't go into the whole thing because it's long. And, and I'm doing this for the sake of time. But in this dream, we were at a we were at a, a prayer gathering or a Bible study in a house. And um, something was mentioned that was off color in this Bible study. And I stood up in the Bible study and the couple that was hosting the Bible study, they were very shy and insecure. It's almost like they felt like our house is not nice enough or big enough to be hosting all these people in our home. That was the the vibe I was getting in the dream. But when someone said, well, I'll just, I'll just be transparent. Someone made a, an off color statement about uh, a pedophilia. 
when they said that in the dream, I jumped up. And I just, in the authority, I said, don't say that. Don't joke about that. This is about our children and the next generations. That shouldn't even come out of your mouth. I was just saying this strong. When I began to say that, this, this young couple began to weep. They just, they just began to weep and weep like they were just being affected by this moment. And I jumped up in the dream and I began to prophesy over them. And I began to, as I prophesied over them, they, they were just receiving the word of the Lord and it was transforming. In fact, so transformative that this was a, this was a white uh, couple. But as I prophesied over them, suddenly they began to, began to change in their visage. And then they were a Hispanic couple. And I kept prophesying and they changed into uh, an African-American couple. And then they changed into a Jewish couple. The man had a little yarmulke on his head. The, the woman was dressed. I knew they were Jewish. In other words, that's how the transformation was taking place. And as I kept prophesying, suddenly they changed into Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, and his bodyguards were around him. And in that moment, as I started to prophesy, it's like the bodyguards moved forward like they were going to try to stop me from saying something. And... Benjamin stopped them. He said, like, I want to hear what he's going to say. Guys, it was such an intense prophecy, such an intense word. I'm going to share it with you. Um, not word for word, but this was the gist of what I was saying to Prime Minister Netanyahu. I said, the Lord says, the Lord says, the days of your darkness are past. Your covenant with darkness must come to an end. The Lord says, it's time for a season of light. It's time for light to outshine the darkness in Israel. The Lord says, it's time to break covenant from the past. The Lord says, it's time to break covenant with witchcraft and the occult. The Lord said it's time to break covenant with sin and debauchery. The Lord said it's time to break covenant with corrupt worship. And as I said this, President Netanyahu was like he was bullets were going into his body. He was receiving it just like, just, I mean, and as I was prophesying this, I could feel the Lord just breaking off. Now, this is several months before October, when the attacks happened from Hamas. And so this was, I got up and I told Melinda the dream the next day. I said, this is such an important dream. She said, yes, of course it is. We prayed into it. But it was from that that the Lord began to take me into his word in First Samuel. I'm going to try to go fast to get this in because it's so important. Are you guys okay? You still with me? So he took me into 1 Samuel 13 all the way through 1 Samuel 19. And I don't have time to read all those chapters. In fact, it's going to be pressing for me to, you know, um, hit a lot of the scriptures that I even shared uh, so that they could put up. But I want you to put this in your heart. Write it down. Go back and read these, these chapters. 1 Samuel 13 through 1 Samuel 19. 
Because this is what the Holy Spirit said when he took me into these passages. He's going to he said, I'm going to show you. In my word, the root, the root of those two trees that you saw. And this is the way he described it. The root of darkness and the root of Jesse. We say that again. This is what he said. I'm going to show you the root of those two trees that you saw. The root of darkness and the root of Jesse. Now, I'm going to, I want to put this in context for you. If you're there out in the congregation or online and you think, well, this doesn't apply to me. What's he he's talking about? Another nation. He's talking about this. This applies to all of us. This what happened in the early days of Israel affected all of Israel's history. And by the, the word of God says to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Am I saying that right? So everything that affected the Jewish nation in the spirit has an effect on every Gentile believer, every one of us. And the principles I'm going to try to share in these next few moments, they affect your life. But you must be willing to receive them by faith and apply them in order to be. Listen what the Lord says. You're going to be either affected by the root of darkness or you're going to be affected by the root of Jesse. And 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 by that, I'm referring to I knew, you know, when the Lord said it out of Isaiah, that that the root of Jesse was referring to the Messiah. That the root of Jesse that would come through David and through the tribe of Judah and the Davidic line when he promised that that on the throne of his father, David, it's who the Messiah would rule. Am I am I speaking the truth? Amen. So. So this is what the Lord showed me, he said, if you understand these two roots, you understand what's happening, not just in Israel today. And, and I needed to, you know, according to what happened in October when Israel was attacked by Hamas and all these people were slaughtered and all these children were killed and all these families were killed and all these young couples were killed and, and terrible tragedy came on the nation of Israel under that spirit of anti-Semitism. Do you get what I'm saying? The, the spirit of anti-Semitism, which is real and pervasive throughout world history, is really just the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist not only hates the Jews, the spirit of Antichrist hates every believer that's ever given their life to Christ. Amen. So what the enemy means against the Jews, he means against you. You better take it personally. So not only did Hamas come and terrorize Israel and attack and kill and maim all that, you know, the, to add horror upon horror, the next thing that happened is that people who were out of the root of darkness, write that down. People that were out of the root of darkness across the earth began to push more for Hamas than they did Israel. We got people protesting and marching in college campuses in other countries pro Hamas, a terrorist organization that slaughtered children rather than come to the aid, the comfort of Israel. How could it be? Because when you are in darkness, you stumble. When you're in darkness, you fall for the lies. The moment you believe in the darkness, you become the darkness. 
Jesus said, let your eye be single, be single minded. For if you're single minded, he said, your whole body will be full of light. Am I saying that correctly? He said, but be careful if you're double minded or double visioned. In other words, one eye on God and one eye in the world. He said, oh, it lets darkness in and how great the darkness is. Amen. So this is what the Lord began to show me. And I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to hurry along in trying to share some big principles. Can I do that? Because then it begins to expose so important that we understand how this process happens. Do you know roots, the beginning of things, roots have an effect on the entire tree, on the entire plant. The roots of what happened happened in Israel at their beginning. Yes, before King Saul, Israel was a people. Before King Saul, Israel was a group of tribes. But once they established a king under Saul was their first baby steps at becoming a nation. Can you understand that? And and so just like America went through some things to become a nation, so too Israel went through some things at the beginning of their history to become a nation. It was in the very early days of, of Saul's kingdom. In fact, it was about two years in. And, and Israel had been plagued by all of these evil, wicked, you know, countries and tribes around them. But finally, about two years in, Saul gets the courage. He says, well, we got to start fighting some of these people. We got we to gotta go against them. So in, in 1 Samuel 13, we see that Saul starts his first military campaign to try to go against those who were uh, plaguing Israel. Again, read this later because I'm, I'm going to hit this fast so that we can get it all in, the panorama of what the Lord wants to say. And it says there in, in 1 Samuel 13 that when the men saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the, the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed even over Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal and the people just followed him trembling. We see in the infancy of a nation on their very first military campaign, a root entered into Saul's heart and the root was fear. The people were so afraid they'd never fought back against these these nations under un, in, as being a new nation. So it was brand new to them. And they were all afraid. Some of them ran and hid in caves and rocks. Some of them left town, crossed the Jordan, went to somewhere else. But no one that even stayed with Saul was courageous. They were just trembling. It says they were just trembling. Let me tell you something. The problem throughout history of Israel and throughout the history of the United States and maybe even in your history, is when you allow a root of fear to enter into your life. Because when you let fear begin to come in, everything starts to go downhill from there. God said to Joshua and Joshua, he said, be strong and very courageous. Amen. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to fill 
your mouth with my words. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to do these things. But be strong and very courageous. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and soundness of mind. So Saul, in his very early, it's his first campaign, fear comes in among all the people. So they fight. And, and, and But here's what Saul does. He's waiting on the prophet Samuel to come and to offer a sacrifice to see if they're going to be victorious in battle. And, and Saul cannot wait because this is what the scripture indicates. He was afraid he was losing his people. Said some of them began to go home and different things. And he was waiting on Samuel, waiting on Samuel, but he couldn't wait. He wasn't patient. Finally, he just got the sacrifice and started offering himself. This is step two in the process down the wrong direction. Because if you let fear in, it will corrupt your worship. Want to write that down? Fear leads to corrupt worship. You cannot worship God in truth and have fear filling your life and filling your heart. And when Saul was filled with fear and the people were filled with fear, he said, well, we don't need Samuel, the man of God, the prophet of God, the priest of God. I'll do it myself. Be careful. Be careful when you start to create a worship system or a theology that comes out of you. Man, somebody needs to hear that. When you create a, a thought system or an idea, oh, I, I just think I'll believe it this way. That's when you're going to get into trouble. So fear led to corrupt worship. And Samuel, when he finally got there, said, Saul, what have you done? What have you done? He said, God would have established your kingdom forever. But he says, now he's not going to. In other words, your kingdom is not going to last. He gives him a warning. I got to hurry on. So after that, it says, as, as you go into 1 Samuel 14, the next thing that happened was that because Saul was afraid and because his people were afraid, do you know they took away all the weapons in Israel? There's only two people who had weapons. Saul had a sword and Jonathan had a sword. And everyone else had no weapon. Listen, you got to have weapons to fight the enemy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. Hallelujah. We have on the full armor of God. We have the sword of the spirit. But no one in Israel, they let the enemy take away all their weapons. They even had to go down into the enemy's camp to sharpen their uh, hose and their, and their mattocks. But it said one day the spirit of God got on Jonathan. He said to his armor bearer, let's go over into the, in the enemy's camp and see what's going on. Armor bearer said, go, I'm with you. And this... You know, just to speed up that story, they went in there and they began to defeat the enemy and God began to move and it began to earthquake and people were being defeated and Saul saw it. He said, wow, this is awesome. He said, got his army, let's go. You know, something's happening over there. It was because his young son, Jonathan, who was a friend of David, loved David. His young son, Jonathan, went over there and started following the Lord about courageously two guys against an army. Only one of them had a sword. And they began to win the battle because the Lord was with them. Anybody hear what I'm saying? But when Saul saw it, he got very rash, it says. And, and, and this may not be on the screen, but I'm going to read it in chapter 14, verse 23. This is, this is very interesting. 
Because um, Saul, because of the fear, and because of the corrupt worship that was now in his heart, um, he, he got very rash and he said, listen, we're going to fight the enemy. And if anybody eats anything, then uh, I'm going to kill him. It was a curse. He released, started releasing curses. And when he did, the scripture says that uh, Jonathan, his son, was the one that got a little honey and touched it to his tongue. In other words, he was the one that broke that oath that Saul had put forth, right? Let me tell you why that rash oath came. You can see it in in, uh, 1 Samuel 14, verse 23. It says, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. And the Lord was helping under Jonathan. This is before the the, the vow and the oath that Saul made. And the Lord helped the people and he saved them that day. But the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. Now, that, mean, that may mean nothing to you, Beth-Avon. But it means something in the Word of God. Do you know what Beth-Avon is? Beth-Avon is actually the mountain of Beth-El. The mountain of the Lord. The house of the Lord. The place where Jacob lay and had the vision of the angels ascending and descending from heaven. And Beth-Avon was the name that, it, that Bethel got sh- changed to the name Beth-Avon. And you know what the word Beth-Avon means in Hebrew? It means the place of witchcraft. The place of the occult. The place of darkness. And suddenly, Bethel, that had been the mountain of God, and the place where Jacob made covenant with God, because they, the enemy came in, and the enemy will always attack your sacred places. Can I get an Amen. And he came in and he brought high places and demon worship and all the rest. And they had to change the name from Bethel, the house of God, to Beth-Avon, the house of witchcraft. And this is a very telling verse here in verse 14, because right before Saul starts giving this crazy man thing, I'm going to kill anybody that eats. It said the battle shifted to Beth-Avon, meaning that the darkness, the fear, the corruption now turned to witchcraft. And when you're doing something for God and quit doing what God says and start doing what you say, that's witchcraft. It's manipulation. It's doing your own thing. And as the battle shifted there in in verse 23, that's when Saul, listen, he made an oath that would have led to the death of his own son. When he found out it was his own son who broke the oath and ate some honey, he said, well, then I'm just going to have to kill Jonathan. Listen to me, darkness, corrupt worship, witchcraft always leads to death. And most of all, death to the next generation. Death to those that we're supposed to be pouring into. And and that's what was happening on this day. Hurry forward. The next thing that happens, we see that again, Saul in battle in 1 Samuel 15. And it says that, God had given the command to Saul to go and kill the Amalekites. Some people don't understand this about God, but I'll just say it like this to sum up a big, a big uh, idea in the Old Testament. There were some people in some nations that corrupted their lineage. They corrupted their lineage by uh, mixing with demonic spirits. The scripture said that these are, these is, this is what happened in the days of old, in the days of Noah, when the sons of God would come unto the daughters of men. In other words, the mixing of the demonic with the human race 
always pre- produces a corrupt race. And because the Lord did not want the lineage of Israel, the lineage of the Messiah to be corrupted, sometimes he had to give a hard edict to the people of Israel. And God said to Saul, go and kill the Amalekites and wipe them out. Everybody wipe them all out. We can't let that corrupt lineage get mixed in with the lineage of the Messiah. But God said, destroy the Amalekites and everything, even the, the goats and the chickens and the, and the pigs and everything. In other words, well, probably were pigs, but whatever it is, just what, well, there probably was in that foreign nation. So Saul comes back from the battle. Did he do what God said? He did not do what God said. He kept the best sheep and the, and the best goats and the best lambs and the best everything. And he saved the king alive so he could gloat over the king, King Agag. And we see happen in this chapter 15 is that Saul's root of darkness is getting worse. Because now he disobeys God. God says, kill it all. He said, no, I'm bringing back the best. And when Samuel comes out, because the Lord spoke to Samuel, he said, you better go see Saul because I have rejected Saul. And listen, this spirit of rejection is a strong thing. I have rejected Saul, God said. When, when darkness and fear and corruption and witchcraft will bring, introduce into your life or your family's life or your children's life the spirit of rejection. And oh, what a dangerous thing. Melinda does an incredible teaching on the spirit of rejection. One of the most powerful words I've ever heard. Got to do it sometime. But uh, it's, it, it's so insidious, it'll destroy your life. The spirit of rejection. But Saul begins to operate also under that spirit of rejection. He's now rejected by God because he disobeys God. And Samuel said, what have you done? He said, what? I did what the Lord said. He said, no, what is all this? I hear the sound of sheep and goats and cows and things. What is that? He said, oh, I kept them so we could offer a sacrifice. Right? For a sacrifice. And Samuel looked at Saul and he said, Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. And and he said, the sin of rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Those are the words of Samuel. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And so that day we see enter into the into this downward spiral of, of, of Saul. We see not just the spirit of rejection, But we see blame, he blamed the people for what happened. Greed, he wanted it for himself. Pride, he wanted to lord over King Agag. And more fear from being rejected as being king. You know what's saddest about that story in 1 Samuel uh, 15? Is that even after Samuel said, God is taking the kingdom away from you and giving it to some someone else. And and. And God's rejected you and you've been cast off. You know what Saul said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But act like you're act like you're blessing me and come because I I don't want to look bad in the face of the people. Can you see how far his heart had turned from God? The prophet of God was telling him, you've been rejected by God and the kingdom is torn from you this day. And all that Saul could worry about. Yeah, but how do I look? How's my post on social media? Am I getting a lot of likes out of this moment? He's saying, yeah, but 
don't let the people see you being mad at me or saying anything bad. He was now so corrupt that he is just worried about how he looks. Guys, be careful if you see that in anyone because that's a sign that the, a root of darkness might be there. I hurry on. Are you still with me? I've got, I've got, it, I've got it close. In, in, in the next chapter is when we begin to see the other root begin to rise. It's when David, the young shepherd boy, is anointed by God. And the scripture says that the spirit of the Lord came on David, but it departed from Saul. And in 1 Samuel 16, 23, you can check it out later. It said that when this evil, this, this evil spirit came on Saul and, and he was in this under the influence of this evil spirit, they said, bring someone that can play worship. And they went and got David, young David, and he would come and he would play worship. And it said when the spirit of worship was released out of David, the evil spirit that was on Saul would flee. Have you all read this? The power of worship will drive out the darkness. The power of worship will drive out the darkness. And David's power of worship was greater than the evil spirit that was plaguing Saul. We see now David's root, the root of Jesse is beginning to grow. And we see now David began to elevate and Saul began to dissipate. And in the very next, next chapter of 1 Samuel 17 is where the great battle of David versus Goliath takes place. And David, the giant killer, is revealed. His root has now grown from being a man of humility being a man of obedience, he obeyed what his father said to do, being a man of worship that can drive out evil spirits to the next thing, he now became the giant killer. And that is, it's looking forward to Jesus who defeats all giants. Amen? It's a symbol of Christ. But I want you to see that in, in that 1 Samuel 17, he goes down into the valley of Elah. And do you know what the word Elah means? It means the terebinth tree or the mightiest, biggest oak-like tree in Israel. Elah is the place where David's root was being. In other words, it was a foreshadowing of the great tree of influence that he would have in all of Israel's history. And Elah was a special place in Joshua 10. It was in this same valley region is where God began to fight against the Amorites and use Joshua to defeat five armies. And when he did, it said God rained hailstones down from heaven and defeated more people with hailstones than the army defeated. It was in this same area that Joshua said, we need some more time, God, to defeat the rest of this enemy. And the sun stood still that day. Listen, if there's one strong word I'll release about 2024, as we've prayed into it, the Lord said this year, it's about time. It's about time. I'm going to reveal to my people how to steward the time that I've given them. But that day, Joshua stewarded his time well. And he said, Lord, you have to give me some more daylight to defeat. And the Lord did. And he held the sun so they could defeat the rest of the enemy. That's the place, the valley that they were in. So I want you to see that now David's his his uh, his root is growing. His tree is growing. It says that David's passion for God 
not just uh, not just humility and obedience and those things, but also now he has courage, courage to face the giant and courage to bring the victory to Israel. I want you to understand everything in our life and in the kingdom foreshadows or it's a, it's a it's a symbol of what's happening in heaven. It's a symbol of God's purpose over the earth. Just as there were two trees over Israel, the, the root of darkness and the root of Jesse, there were two trees in the garden. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. In Israel's history, listen to me, I'm, I'm being so serious here. The bad things we see in Israel today as a nation, the compromise, the covenant with darkness, the fighting, the warfare. And again, you say, well, they're victims. But I'm saying it's only because they're not where they need to be with the Lord. It's only because they're not walking with their Messiah because they rejected the Messiah. I'm saying many Jews, of course, are believers in Christ. But I'm saying as a nation, it's not that Christ has been set up as the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. And so it allows this darkness to permeate the land. And the fact that there were two trees in the garden and two trees over Israel was saying to me this. If we are just basing it on the knowledge of good and evil, we're giving room for the darkness. We're bombarded in an information age and so many young people are being led away from God because they've seen way too many TikTok videos and way too many posts that, you know, that lead them into darkness and corruption and bad theology and not believing in God and going down the wrong road and serving idols and all that negative. We're bombarded with day and night, 24-7 news cycle, and too much information is not good because information without wisdom is foolishness and corruption. And so David's tree is growing. Saul is waning and and I, I just want to finish finish it with this, that it gets to the worst place. In First Samuel 18 is when all out war breaks out between these two trees. Saul, he's got David back there playing the harp, you know, trying to get him out of his bad spirit. And Saul grabs a javelin and hurls it at David to pin him to the wall, it says. Listen to what I'm saying. All of these bad steps in this in this walk of darkness finally lead to murder, finally lead to a spirit of death, finally lead to trying to kill, steal, and destroy. we got to see these roots, guys. Because not only did the enemy try to get in at the root, at the very root of Israel becoming a nation, don't you think he didn't try to get into the very start of America as a nation? And when we were forming and trying to form godly ideas and form a godly nation, we're praying, dedicating this to God. There was another root growing. There's a root of corruption. There's a root of witchcraft. In those very early days, a spirit of a spirit of darkness tried to get into America's history, and so those two trees growing in our nation as well. So that we're we're called. The United States of America. But can I ask you a question? How united are we? Are we the united people of, of the United States? Division, a spirit of division works throughout the land. Father against, you know, son and mother against daughter and white against black and, and, and Democrat against Republican and old against young. 
the enemy tries to divide us because he's that he, that's his plan to divide and conquer. So just like these trees have grown in Israel, so too they've grown in America. And we better make sure which tree we are connected to. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And, and we need to be able to easily spot the, the, the corrupt tree and stay away from it. Uh, and so that full blown, that full blown warfare breaks out between the two houses and it's lasted even to 2024. It's still warring in Israel to this day. But I was so encouraged by the Lord that he allowed me to prophesy in that dream over Netanyahu. I wasn't just prophesying over the prime minister. I was prophesying over Israel. Reject the darkness and receive your season of light. And, and I want to say this to you, that as you move into 1 Samuel 19, David leaves the house of Saul and moves in with Samuel. And when he does, at a place called Naoth-Ramah, and the word Naoth-Ramah in the Hebrew means the ascended place where I behold your beauty. That's a literal translation. Naoth-Ramah is where Samuel the prophet lived, and David moved in with Samuel, and it means the ascended place where I behold your beauty. And David began to move in the prophetic we see this beautiful, this beautiful progression of the kingdom. Because now that David has moved in with Samuel, what started with Hannah, the prayer movement, moved into Samuel, the prophetic movement, moved into David, the apostolic movement, moved into the kingdom being established in the earth. The kingdom that Jesus sets on the throne of David. Can you hear me? And so David settling with Samuel at Nathan. And you know, there's so much protection under the prophetic. Be careful when people attack the prophetic. Be careful. It's the spirit of Jezebel to hate the prophets and try to destroy the prophetic. And, and when uh, Saul heard that David was living at Naoth Ramah, you know what he did? He sent soldiers to kill David and I don't know who, I don't know, Samuel, everyone. He just sent soldiers to kill. And as they would run to try to attack Naoth Ramah, said they would drop their weapons and start to prophesy blessing on them. That happened three times in a row. Instead of being able to kill them, they had to start prophesying over them. When you start, listen to this, when you start criticizing and attacking the prophetic, you're removing the protection off of your life. When you are part of the prophetic and the apostolic of God, when you release, in other words, you embrace that, when they tried to kill them, they had to drop their weapons and begin to bless them prophetically. So much Saul, so that Saul finally said, well, if you're not going to kill him, I'll go kill myself. And Saul went up there, said Saul got close and he got so worked up. It said he stripped himself naked and began to prophesy blessing over David and Samuel. And he did it so uh, demonstratively that the people said, hey, has Saul now become a prophet? That was a proverb in Israel when they knew. No, he has not done that. So I want to say to you, all that I've shared, and, and maybe, maybe this is a good way to wrap this up. You can, you can jot this down or look at it later, but this is, what the Lord, this is how the Lord summed it up to me. And I'm just going to read some words, but you understand where I'm coming from. I have the tree of Saul and I have the tree of David. The tree of Saul, it says, fear, disobedience, corrupt worship, 
witchcraft, curses, rejection, pride, greed, jealousy, anger, murder, and tragedy. Here's the tree of David. Humility, worship, obedience, courage, victory, gratitude, promotion, favor, growth, protection, and the establishment of the kingdom. Amen. We are, as an intercessory, listen, the reason God said to release this word at Living Waters is that these people have stewarded a love for Israel for years and years and years and years. They've poured out their blood, sweat, and tears to pray over Israel. And they will receive this word with gladness. And they will steward it well. Overcoming the darkness with the power that David, the root of David, the root of Jesse. Can I get an amen? Melinda, if you'll help. Several years ago, the Lord spoke to me a thing out of Psalm 84. And we were singing in Psalm 84 this morning. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Amen. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That was not by accident. I wanted to sing Psalm 84 because this is the year 5784. And the Lord, several years ago, gave me this word. And it was a very strong prophetic word. He said, you're going you're to help establish over the state of Kentucky a network, a canopy of prayer over the entire state. And there will be people involved in prayer and worship in every county in Kentucky. And he said, there's 120 counties. And if every county just prayed 84 minutes a week, it would cover every uh, minute of every week. Just 84 minutes a week. Meaning, could Shelbyville and, and, and this county just as the group of people pray 84 minutes a week. And the Lord said, it's the Psalm 84 project. The Psalm 84 project. 84 minutes for every county. And then the Lord, I got ready, said, oh, I was so excited about this. They're going to hit the ground running. The Lord said, nope, it's not yet. It's not for time yet. So back at Rosh Hashanah this year, as we moved from 5783 into 5784, Holy Spirit said, now it's time. 5784, now it's time to start the the Psalm 84 project, raising up night and day prayer in every county in Kentucky. I don't know what that looks like. I know we'll need a lot of help. But I believe there's enough men and women of God across this state that would say, I'll take 84 minutes. I'll be a part of of what God has said that we need to do to raise up a canopy of prayer over the entire state. And as a... a, uh, as a confirmation of that at Christmas time, he took me in the story of Anna in the Christmas story, who was a widow that witnessed the birth of Christ. You, you guys know the story. And it said Anna was 84 years old. And he gave me another confirmation. This kind of a fun personal one. But this year, my mom's birthday, she turned 84 years old. But the Lord said, now is the time because you got to raise up the root of Jesse to dispel the root of darkness. Can you guys get a hold of that? Guys, stand with me. Thank you. I, I know I've went long. Am, are you okay? Um, a lot of information to get out there. And, and I'm always available to follow up with more ministry questions, but... 
I feel this so strongly from the Lord. And if, if the ministry team will get ready, we'll, we'll need you. Um, there are people in here, as I went through this today, you said, I, I feel like darkness is trying to come into my family. I feel like darkness is trying to come into my marriage. I feel like darkness is trying to come into my church. Darkness is trying to get into my life. Phil, what's, what's the answer for that? It's the root of Jesse. It's the ministry of Christ. It's the ministry of worship. The ministry of humility. The ministry of courage. The ministry of victory. Amen? It's, oh, it's the ministry of promotion and favor of the Lord. Listen, you don't have to eat one single piece of fruit off the tree of darkness ever again. Today is the day of deliverance. Today the Lord brings you out of one tree and maybe into a new tree. And, and, and when you, I don't want to make anyone hesitant about come forward. When you come forward, you're not saying, oh, I'm darkness. That's not what you're saying. When you come forward, you say, Phil, I, I need prayer. I want to receive that word of the Lord. I want to steward the root of Jesse. I want to be of the tree of righteousness. I want to be an oak planted by the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to pray over all of you and you can receive this prayer. And, and then if you want to come forward for prayer, we're going to hang in here to pray for whoever needs prayer. And we'll pass the ball back to Pastor Stephen in a moment. But I don't pray this prayer over you. If you want to receive it, just put your hand on your heart and receive it from the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, it was a very heavy thing that you have had on my heart about this word for this house. God, we're going to, we're going to study this. We're going to pray into this. We're going to get so much revelation and discernment from this word for this ministry and the intercessory call that they have to pray for Israel and to pray for this nation and, and to pray for this county and to pray for this city and to pray for this pastor and his wife and to pray for this church. There are, this is a house of intercession, Lord. And right now the enemy through the world system of darkness is trying to bring darkness into people's hearts, into their minds, into their lives. In the name of Jesus. We command it to go. We turn the light on. Arise and shine and let the glory of the Lord rest upon you today. In the name of Jesus, we command the darkness to go. In the name of Jesus, we command defeat to go and fear to go and disobedience to go in Jesus' name. God's going to fill your life with an obedient heart. God's going to fill your life with a quick response to the word of God. God's going to fill your life with night and day prayer where you're crying out to heaven for God to do a work in the land. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to let every believer in here right now receive a promotion. Receive a promotion. God said, I'm looking, I'm looking for people. Receive a promotion. I am in the work of light. I'm rejecting the darkness. I'm coming into the light. And I am being used of God to dispel the darkness in this city the darkness in this county in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, I'm going to turn it back to you. Thank you, Father. That's, that's, that's really valuable. That's really valuable. For the spirit of this age, is the darkness is trying to creep in and grab families and ministries and churches. I mean, this is, this is so valuable. Lord God, 
We are people that choose the root of Jesse. Yes. We choose the root of Jesse. We choose worship. We choose light. We choose you, obedience, Lord God. And, and Father, we resist the devil and he must flee. We resist the spirit of darkness and it must flee in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for victory in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Our inheritance from you is victory in Christ. Thank you, Lord God. We, we, can, we can say, yes, the future is good because we receive the inheritance of God's abundance of, of grace and prosperity over us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your promise of victory over us.